0: Well, I hope you're having a, uh, a good day today. We're back in our study of Proverbs and we're in chapter three and we're going to look at verse four today. I was hoping to get it in the last study, but uh, we weren't able to get to it. Let's read verses one through four. My son, do not forget my teaching and let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace. They will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, so that you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Uh, before we go into the, before we go to the Lord in prayer, do you see what's going on here? This is talking about the rewards of wisdom, and um, that. In this life, God does not promise that it will always be easy or that there will always be some sort of temporal or physical prosperity. But he is promising you this, that if you will devote yourself to him and to his word, he will work his purposes in your life. And along the way, he will grant you things, his presence, his peace, that are far more valuable than anything you could attain in this world. And in the end, of course, eternal life in the presence of God in heaven. And so I want you to see that that all these things that are written here are are for your blessing, for your good, that in the end of your days, like many of the patriarchs, as an old man or an old woman, You'll lean on your staff and you'll raise your hands and you'll say. That the God of all the earth has blessed your life. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the wisdom that is found in the Bible. Thank you for the direction. That it sends us to Christ. Thank you for your son. Thank you for his death on Calvary, his resurrection from the dead, his perfect life, his sufficient death. Thank you that he reigns even now in heaven, seated at your right hand above all powers and principalities and mights and dominions, not only in this age, but in the age to come. Thank you, Lord, for your covenant faithfulness. And I pray, Lord, for these children, these young people who are listening to these studies, oh, that they might know your son and know that all the fullness of deity is found in him in bodily form, that all abundant life, that all knowledge, that every good and perfect gift flows through him. I pray, Lord, for these young people, that Jesus Christ would be exalted in their life. And they would walk with you all the days of their life and and be a joy and a glory to you. Lord, protect them, strengthen them with grace upon grace and mercy upon mercy. Oh, God. Guide them and guide them, even when they do not know they're being guided, demonstrate your power. And your faithfulness in their lives. In Jesus name. Amen. Well, before we get to verse four, let's just kind of do a rundown of the passage, because verse four is kind of the conclusion of this part of chapter three. My son, do not forget my teaching. My son, remember (laughs) when God is giving you his truth, it's because he loves you. And he seeks to bless you. Do not forget my teaching. Do not forget them. Remember, it's not it's not only important to learn what God has said, but to retain it and to apply it to our life. But let your heart keep my commandments. It's not something external, but internal also. You know, whatever is on the outside of us ought to be a result of what's on the inside. We're not about wearing masks to try to appear to be something we're not, but we want to grow in our heart, that our heart may have an impact upon the rest of us for length of days and years of life and peace. They will add to you This does not mean that those who seek to follow God's commands will live to a ripe old age or that they'll never have turmoil in their life. But it does mean that they will have the peace and the prosperity. Of a relationship with God, even when passing through the greatest fires. Verse three, do not let kindness and truth leave you. That wisdom is this perfect balance of truth. But truth in the context of love, of loving kindness, of kindness, of mercy. And that if you're going to be a person who lives the truth and especially one who speaks the truth. Then you have to learn to to live it and speak it in the context of love. And if you want a really good definition of love, go to First Corinthians 13. If you want a really good example of love, go to the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Study the four Gospels. Do not let kindness and truth leave you It means you must not only learn about kindness and truth, but you must nurture them. It must be a thing throughout. You know, for example, um, I am married and I've been married for many years and hopefully I'll be married for many more years. Everything wasn't done on the day that we got married. But after that, there was a need for constant and continual nurturing of that relationship. In the same way, you need to nurture a relationship with the truth. You need to nurture a relationship with kindness and with love. Okay, he says, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Always remember them. These are not little things. You know, a guy who used to disciple me quite a bit, he said this. He goes, Paul, in the Christian life, love is not something. It's everything. And we can say the same thing, of course, about truth. These are not small matters, but weighty, the most important matters. As a matter of fact, we could almost sum up everything about the Christian life. In these words, truth, God's truth and love. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Do whatever you have to do to remember God's commands. And to remember the correct application of them. And then he says in verse four, now we're going to come down to the benefit of of someone who's devoted to God and serious about knowing God's commands and carrying them out. So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man oftentimes now. And and this is true. Oftentimes we we think if we're going to be a follower of Jesus, the world is going to hate us. The world is going to persecute us. And, and, And I don't want to take anything away from that. But there's also this realization that a man conformed to the image of Christ. A man who speaks the truth, a noble man, a noble woman. Who walks in the truth and speaks the truth and is growing in conformity to Christ. Walks in love will also gain the respect. The favor of God and the respect of respect of those around. Him. That's what we're going to look at today, It says in verse four, so you will find favor and good repute. In the sight of God and man. Now, find favor. It means that they will look upon you in a positive way. There will be an appreciation that comes from them. There will be an estimation that comes from them. And they will treat you with greater grace and greater blessing. They will be favorably. They will act favorably toward you. Now, again, there, there are instances where people, you know, Christians are under persecution. But the idea that's being promoted here is if you take a godless man, a man who cares not for the commands of God, does not revere God, does not respect his fellow man, does not walk in love. He is going to gain animosity and enmity uh, from others. Others are not going to esteem him. They're not going to be with him. They're going to oppose him. But a man who truly seeks to be conformed to the image of Christ in a normal setting is going to be a man who gains the favor of others. It says to find favor and good repute, you will gain a good reputation or name. I have known men in my life that that so walked in conformity to the image of Christ, men and women that people, even their enemies would say this about them. I don't agree with them. I don't agree with them. I don't even like their faith, but I respect them. I respect them. They're real. They're sincere. They're noble. There's no hypocrisy. There is sincerity. There's trustworthiness in this person. You know, one time when I was a pastor, in Peru, this one brother, he kept complaining about how he would get fired from a job because he was persecuted. He would People didn't like him because he was persecuted and all these things. And one day I finally had to tell him in love after giving him many counsels. I said to him, dear brother, listen to me. You're not getting fired because you're a Christian. You're not getting fired uh, for righteousness sake. People are not talking bad about you. Uh, Because of your conformity to the image of Christ, but it's because you're very lazy and untrustworthy person. You see, godliness will gain favor and respect from even our enemies at times. And so if we're going to be persecuted, let us be persecuted because we actually are walking and talking in righteousness, but not because there is There are anti-biblical thoughts and dispositions and behaviors and, and words and actions coming forth from us. When all things being considered, those who walk according to God's commands will gain the respect of others. Others will have a sense about them of of nobility, of worthiness, of sincerity someone worthy of esteem and respect. Now, he says you will find favor and good repute, a good name, good reports will be spoken about you in the sight of God and in the sight of man. Now, let's first of all, let's look in the sight of God. Uh, there's a passage of particular importance here that I want to go to. It's it's in first Peter, chapter five, verse five, and it, it says simply this. Clothe yourself with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. None of us are perfect. Number one. Number two, God loves all his children. He loves all his children. Everyone who is who has trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior has a righteous standing before God and is beloved of God. At the same time, those believers who truly. Have a mature understanding of God and a mature understanding of his commandments, and they they esteem his commands, they esteem his gospel, they esteem his person. God esteems them also in a special way and grants them greater and greater grace. And we have to be very, very careful here. But there are Christians who are truly Christian, but in, in their mature immaturity, there's not a trustworthiness about them. There's an immature fear of the Lord about them, and there's less that can be entrusted to them because of their lack of growth. But those believers who, although not perfect, have set it as their principal goal to follow Christ and to follow his commands and to be faithful By the grace of God. There is an esteem for them, there is a grace given to them, they are entrusted with more. I can think of of people, I could mention their name right now and you'd know exactly who I'm talking about. I know their lives, years and years of faithfully studying the scriptures, years and years of seeking to follow Christ years and years of growing in maturity and trustworthiness. And you can see that God has given them greater and greater grace and greater and greater authority and greater and greater responsibility. All of God's children are loved by him. But some. Are granted an authority. They they have. They're used by God because they have made themselves useful. They have taken seriously the need to know God in the scriptures and to know God in his commands and to follow him. And I want you to be that way. I want you to be a person, young person. Listen to me. I pray for you the same thing I pray for my children. God, give them. A special heart of devotion for your son. That they would be totally devoted to your son and that you could entrust them with great works, with great deeds in your kingdom. I am reminded of uh, in the book of Daniel, uh, chapter 10, in verse 11 and in verse 19, Daniel is referred to by the by the angel as a man of high esteem, And this is in the court of God. This is before God. This is with regard to to heaven itself, even the angelic realm. He is regarded as a man of high esteem in the new American standard in the King James, a man greatly beloved in the New English translation, a man of great value, a treasured person. And down through history, we can we can see men and women. Upon whom God has placed his hand in a special way to use them in a special way. And 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 that's what I would desire for you. It doesn't mean that you become a preacher or a missionary or this or that. But in whatever context God has called you, I beg you to to pursue his commands, to pursue his will, to pursue his person and to say, you know, I want to be that person. That is granted greater grace. I want to be that person of of high favor in your courts. You know, um, I used to know this old preacher who would say it doesn't matter if your name is known on Earth. Who cares? But is your is your name known in heaven? Doesn't it matter if they esteem you here on Earth. The question is, are you highly esteemed in heaven? So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God. But then also, not only will you find favor and. And gain a good name in the sight of God, but also in the sight of man, in the sight of men, now, I want to read something, not only in the sight of God, but also in the sight of man. Never. Now, listen to my words here, young person, never adopt the super spiritual. An unbiblical idea that you do not care what other people think about you or that you're not accountable to men because you're accountable to God. Both those things are wrong. Now, the way we lead our lives, the things we believe, the way we live, the stands we take are based upon Scripture. And if all men come against us and hate us for it, they must hate us for it. We're going to make our stand on the word of God. Yet at the same time, it should be important to us. What do other men think about us? Do they think bad things about us? Because actually we have been very immature and unbiblical. Do they even blaspheme the name of God because of our behavior? We should be concerned with what other people think about us for testimony's sake. And not only that, we're accountable also to other men. I've heard so many uh, what I would call them as shysters or uh, charlatans in the ministry, especially those who who preach a lot about prosperity and try to get money from God's people. And, and when they're asked, you know, well, what do you do with that money? Well, I'm not accountable to you. I'm only accountable to God. That's a lie. That's not biblical. That's not in the New Testament. And if you see somebody saying those types of things, please get away from them. And, and I want you to look at a, a few things here, in Second Corinthians 821, let me read this to you. Paul says this now, this is with regard to an offering that they're going to take up for the saints in Jerusalem. He says, for we have regard for what is honorable. We want to do what is honorable. Listen to what he says, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. We want to go out of our way to handle things. Uh, To act in a certain way, to behave in a certain way so that men will think good of us for testimony's sake. We want to cover all our bases so that no one can accuse us of false deeds and therefore bring shame to the name of Christ. Yes, you're accountable to God, but young person, you're accountable to your mother and father. We're accountable to the government. We're accountable to leaders in the church. We're we're accountable and we should be willing to give an account. Of what we're doing and to be even scrutinized by others to react against that is a demonstration of arrogance. In Romans 14, 18, for he who in this way serves Christ, that means with love and humility, is acceptable to God and approved by men. I want them to be able to say, man, I don't agree with that Paul Washer. I really don't. But I I know his life. And I. I believe he is truly sincere and honorable in what he's doing. I want people to be able to say that about me, even when they don't agree with me. And I've heard people say there's this one man that is a, a special a hero of mine, and people will say, I don't always agree with him, but I respect him. I respect him. He's a noble man. You see? And then the greatest example that we have is Jesus. In Luke 2, 52, and Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. You say, well, hold it. Jesus is God. He knew everything. Jesus is God in the flesh. Yet as a man, as a young boy, he truly grew in wisdom. And in stature, he increased in wisdom, just like he increased from from a little boy about this tall to to a grown man. You see, when 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 the son of God took on flesh, he did not cease being God in any way. His deity was not diminished in any way, but he really became a man and he humbled himself and he submitted the use and the privilege of his deity to his father. So he actually grew in wisdom. And look what else it says here. He increased in favor with God and man. You say, hold it. He was perfect from the beginning. How did he increase in favor with God? It means this in every stage of his life, he continued on perfect and his life got more difficult and trials became more difficult. He continued perfect and perfect and perfect with every greater thing he had to overcome. He maintained perfection and the father's estimation of him increased. You see, as a person in the same way, young person. Um, you're growing in stature. That's something that's just going to happen. You're, you're going to go from two feet tall to three feet tall to four feet tall and so on. You're going to you're going to grow in stature. You may even you naturally if you, you eat well, you're healthy You're you're going to grow in strength. You're going to grow in, in your, your skeleton, your muscles, everything that's just going to happen. But to grow in favor with God and men. It's going to require work on your part. And and what kind of work? (sighs) Using the means that God has given you to grow. The scriptures, study them, memorize them, meditate upon them, practice them. Fellowship in your family, your mother, your father, your brothers and sisters, church. The elders, the the teachers, the other Christians, speaking much about Christ with them. Learning how to carry yourself in a godly conversation. You know, Um, the Lord's Supper, the ordinances, even church discipline, everything that God has given us that we might grow, you see. Now, I want I want to make something very, very clear here, very clear. Our standing before God is not based on your ability to keep these commands. Please understand me. If you have trusted in Christ, you stand before God in perfect righteousness and you are perfectly loved. Everything has to do with Christ. But knowing that, knowing that 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 everything has been done by Christ we are now free and safe to do what? To pursue greater grace, greater conformity to Christ, greater usefulness to God, a greater name in the courts of heaven, knowing that we're already completely loved. You see, um, people, a lot of times, when you start mentioning things like this or talking about obedience or the law or something, they say, well, you're going to you know, bring doubt upon people, you're going to make people sad because of their failure and because they can't measure up. And no, listen to me. When you know you are already complete in Christ and when you know you are perfectly loved and when you know there is nothing you can do for God to love you more or less, now you're free to do what? To pursue growth. To pursue those challenges to take them head on, because if you fail and I have failed many times, it it doesn't affect God's love for you. You see, when you live in the context of God's grace, now you can say, I want to be more obedient. I want to be more useful. And and in in those times when you fail, it, it, it doesn't discourage you because God's love for you hasn't changed. This is not about earning something from him. Christ did it all. So now we just go after it. You know, um, I've always kind of wanted to try mountain climbing. I don't mean the kind where you're just hiking. I mean the kind where you're scaling the wall. But there's a problem with that, and that, that's falling. And falling's not really a problem. It's landing. It's the ground when you hit it. But you know, if you could mountain climb with a great big net under you, it would be comfortable to fall in. A lot more people would mountain climb, I suppose, if you could uh, fly on a high trapeze like like these great circus performers. Most kids want to try that. But I mean, it's just too dangerous unless there's this wonderful, comfortable net to fall into. Then you can try so many things that you wouldn't have tried before. And that's grace. That's grace. All these commandments, all these things in Scripture, take them on. That pursuit of Christ to be to be everything Christ wants you to be. Take it on. Because success, failure, going forward, falling backwards. None of it is going to change what's already been done for you in the perfect work of Christ. You are dearly loved. So go for it. Go for it. And uh, well, that was verse four. And I hope it was an encouragement to you. But let me give this illustration. Let's say that there are two children from different homes, different fathers. And they both really, I mean, they try to be so obedient. And they clean their room and they're, they're constantly um, doing things to please their father. But one of the children is uh, very nervous and scared and, and doubtful and sad. And the other one is just the opposite, full of life, happy, full of joy. What's the difference between the two children? Well, the difference is this. The one child who's sad and depressed and scared. That child is doing all the things they can do in hopes that their father will love them and with fear that their father's not going to love them. So they're working really hard, but they're just full of terror and fear and doubt, depression. The other child is doing all these things to please his or her father because they know their father loves them. If they succeed, if they fail, it doesn't matter. Their father loves them. And so they can do all these things, with just great joy. And that's the biblical view. You see. I can learn new commandments and try to conform my life to them. I can, you know, take challenges of faith. And if I fall, if I don't succeed and I have fallen more times than you could imagine in the sense of not succeeding. Of you know, what I mean is two steps forward, four steps back. But it doesn't matter. Not with regard to God's love for me. He loves me, period, period. He loves you, period. And that love was settled in Calvary. So now you're just free to live. So look at this book of Proverbs. Take on its challenges because you're already loved. That's a done deal. All right. Well, God bless you and we'll see you hopefully next time in um Oh, a great passage in verse 5 of chapter 3 about trusting in the Lord. So we'll have to look at 5 through 8 next time. And uh, I can assure you, this is a wonderful passage. Well, God bless. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society.